thinking back, like every sales team I've ever been on, I have to be the number one guy. And I worked my butt off to make sure that happens. So I'm like, maybe this will cross over and all these other investors having success will light that fire in me. And it did. Welcome to the seven figure flipping podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of wholesaling and house flipping businesses. The systems and automation that we discuss will help you build a real business instead of another job for yourself. From beginners to those doing hundreds of thousands a year, we go deep into the details and strategies that are working today. And now your host, Bill Allen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 7 Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. And today I've got one of our runway members on the podcast with me who's going to share a little bit about his story. We probably talk about some of the first deals that he's done, some early kind of getting started, getting going, getting up and running. And I'm really excited to hear a little bit more about this person's story. So in the past, we've done we brought on some runway and altitude members where I got to know them a little bit better. There's people that have just come into our programs. Some have been with us for years that I know pretty well, but it's been really fun to get to know our members and some of their stories, especially those that I don't know so well. So this is a guy that I've had some interactions with via Facebook messenger, texting. We got on the phone call a couple times and I know that he has some background with Andy McFarland too. So I'm really interested to hear about his story and how he got started in real estate and where he is now. So uh, I got Chad Lindell. How are you doing, Chad? Hey, Bill. Doing really good. How are you? I'm good. And I'm thankful that you're taking the time to share some of this stuff with our listeners and everybody who's out there that listens to the podcast that's looking for some help getting going and whether they're scaling up or whether they're just getting started in real estate and having these dreams like a lot of us had. I remember myself four years ago, just basically doing one house a year, dreaming of doing, you know, 10, 20, and my goal was to do 12 houses a year. So it's really incredible to see my journey and then to see the success that you're having. I'm really excited to talk to you. So before we get started, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your background? Well, uh, my name is Chad, um, Chad Lundell, and uh, I've been investing in real estate for less than a year, really. Um, been interested in real estate since high school. Um, one of my richest friends, actually my richest friends in high school, his, his parents and grandparents were uh, in real estate and he always had like really nice cars and they had a swimming pool and Jeeps and four wheelers and all the toys. And so my mind just kind of thought like, okay, that's the path to wealth. Obviously they, they owned a bunch of rental properties and they talked about real estate a lot. And so I kind of was like, all right, that's what I need to do if I want to have nice cars in a swimming pool, right? Just <laughs> get into, get into real estate. So that was like early on, uh, what interested me in, um, in real estate and then through life choices and everything else that was in high school. Uh, I actually ended up, uh, in rehab. For so when was that? So when was that in high school? High like, school was when? Yep. Like I graduated in 03. So my graduate was 03. So like 2001, two and three. So. Okay. Okay. So a lot of people might not be watching on YouTube. They might be just listening in the car and not know how old we are. So that gives exactly. us some context. So, to, so that's about, you know, anywhere from 20 to 17 to 20 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, then to, you know, my graduating class was 03. I dropped out my junior year. I ended up getting my GED like a year later but my graduating class was 03. So the timeline was 01. Okay. And where was that? Where were you living? Utah. So born and raised in Utah. Uh, I went to Granger High. So uh, that's where that was. Okay. And you said that you ended up in rehab. So what happened there? Yeah. So just, I mean, through choices, it's, uh, 
you know, a lot of childhood trauma, a lot of just crazy, basically raised by, you know, generations of drug addicts and alcoholics, not to discredit all my family, because I have some really good family members. Uh, my grandma was a huge impact in my life. And, you know, she basically raised me, but just through family, you know, trauma for generations. And so it just kind of led to the choices that I was making. Um, it was pretty natural. I mean, all the other kids that I was hanging out with were making the same choices. So it was, you know, it was just by choice, right? It started out just like every other kid, you know, smoking pot, drinking here and there. Then it leads into cocaine and ecstasy and meth and heroin to eventually, you know, I'm 29 years old. Uh, I was 28 years old. I overdosed, um, three times within a month's period. Uh, family's trying to intervene. Grandma and grandpa is trying to intervene, telling me, you know, you're going to die. And unfortunately I was okay with that. I was totally just so depressed and so, um, lost and, you know, just, just in a, a hell pit of, of drug and alcohol addiction. And just, that's where my choices led me. So, uh, so that was 10 years. Was that 10 years of time between 18 and 28 that you got from, you know, starting that kind of journey in high school at, to yeah. being 28 years old and, and overdosing? Yeah. So probably it was started when I was 12. So the first time I smoked pot, I was 12. And then my 13th birthday and my dad got me drunk. That's what I wanted for my 13th birthday. So it, it was a lot longer than that, but the progression was, you know, it just started getting harder and harder and harder. Um, throughout that time in my twenties, I had some success cause I was, I've always been in sales. I've always been good at sales. So I sold cars. I did good at that. Um, car business was a perfect environment for somebody who parties all the time. Right. So it felt like a dream job. And then, uh, after the economy collapsed in like 08 and we were doing really good selling cars, but it, we couldn't, no car companies were leasing anymore less people could even qualify to buy cars. So I let, I left the car business and I started doing uh, door to door sales, selling home security systems, traveling all over the country, <clears throat> um, building sales teams, helping train sales teams um, more times than not being the number one guy on the board. Uh, as far as uh, sales, my first year as a rookie in the office, uh, I was the number one salesperson in the entire office. And then I kind of branched off with some other guys, helped them build their business in Texas. And so always, though I was partying a lot, um, it didn't get as bad as, as it was until the end, right? And uh, a lot, you'll hear this a lot in recovery. If you're talking to people with this past, it's fun and it's awesome until it's not, right? It starts out like just you're partying, you're having fun. You think that's what life's about, you know, um, money, cars, clothes, and drugs, right? Just just partying and, and doing and doing that fast lifestyle. That was my identity. I mean, that's who I thought I was. That's who I thought I wanted to be. That that was all I cared about. But the truth is, you know, hindsight, looking back, that drugs and alcohol was my solution because it's the only thing that made me feel good, right? It was the only thing that made me feel comfortable in my own skin. So uh, I was more confident and all that stuff. And, and so it just, when you're in it, you don't realize any of this stuff. And so it progressed through the twenties as it always does. No one's exempt from this stuff. I mean, if you want to start out partying, if you just keep going and keep going, eventually, you know, no one's exempt. It doesn't care. Uh, alcoholism and drug addiction doesn't care who you are, what you look like, how wealthy you are, how good looking you are, what your past is. I mean, if you play, if you play with fire, you're eventually going to get burned. Right. So 
that's where I ended up um, to just lost. I was so lost, Bill. Like, you know, being in sales, you have that ability to connect with people and whatever other traits you have, you know, you're charismatic or whatever. When you're so lost in that addiction, you lose all that. And so now here I am so lost in my addiction. I don't, I can't even look anyone in the eyes because I'm so ashamed of myself and, and what I'm doing that all of a sudden I can't sell anymore. I can't have a job, you know, cause I'm no good at it anymore. Um, and so just darker and darker spiral of depression, more, more drinking, um, and more using to the end, it was, uh, boxed wine and pills and heroin. Um, and it, it was a lot. And like I say, uh, ended with my family finding me the three times within a three or four week span. And it was, it was God working cause I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing and I wasn't supposed to leave the earth though. I wanted to, uh, my, my grandma found me, my grandpa found me, my mom found me three times turning blue. I was on my way out. Right. And I had an apartment. I lived with my brother. My brother came to me. He's like, dude, I'm moving out. I can't watch you kill yourself anymore. So I'm moving out. And, and you know, that, that was it. And, and so he was kind of living there. He was in transition moving out, but that kind of pushed me even deeper into the depression. And to the point where I was like, all right, I, I was trying to overdose. Right. Um, and my grandma found me, my grandpa found me. And then my mom found me three times turning blue. Paramedics came, took me to the hospital, revived me. Um, it's like, what's going on with you? Whatever. You know, I would just lie to him and be like, Oh, I'm just having fun. I'm just partying or whatever. The last time they found me, there was something like 26 cans of computer cleaner on the floor. Um, air duster. It was like something that high school kids do. I did it a couple times in high school. I was out of everything. I was out of money. I was out of drugs. I was out of alcohol. I was out of absolutely everything that could keep me going. Uh, you know, cause I was sick, I was really sick. Um, so I just kept going to Walmart and, uh, lifting, <laughs> stealing, unfortunately, uh, computer cleaner and bringing it back to my house and inhaling it until I passed out, hoping that I wasn't going to wake up. And the last time they found me, there was like 26 cans on the floor. I was turning blue. My grandma and my mom are shaking me. I wake up, I come to, I push mom and grandma out of the way, jump to the floor to grab the can of air duster and start inhaling it again. And they're, and they're smacking me. And the thought in that moment was I was upset that I was alive. And so it, Bill, it was, it was the, it was dark. I mean, and so my step grandma, uh, she's a LCSW, which is a clinical social worker. So she had some, uh, experience with that. So she came over and the cops and everyone, they all came over and she was like telling the cops, like this man's suicidal and, uh, you need to take him to the hospital to get evaluated or else he's going to die and it's going to be on your hands or whatever she said to the cops. I'm not sure, but so they took me to the hospital and they like pink slipped me, which they just basically said, you got two choices. You're either going to jail or you're going to the hospital. And I was already, you know, I had already been to jail and I didn't want to go back. So I was like, let's go to the hospital. I'll get my shoes. <laughs> so we go to the hospital and they put me on a 72 hour hold. And, uh, the psych psych ward, I guess, um, here in Utah at the University of Utah, it's called Uni. Uh, it's like a little bit like jail. I mean, they lock you in your room. There's like a little observation window, and they just kind of peek in there and like check on you every few hours. So I wake up in there, and I'm looking around. I'm like, what? 
crap did I do? Like, how did I end up here? Like, I'm way smarter than this. Like, this isn't who I am. My, you have my roommate in there, the guy that was sharing the room with me, he's like talking to the wall and like swatting things out of the sky that aren't there. And it dawned on me and I thought, man, this guy might not make it out of here. He might have mental issues and things beyond his capacity and beyond his ability to recover from, but chances are I might be okay if, if, and I might be able to make it out of here. And then I had some other family and God intervene in my life to where when I was in that um, psych, psych, psych ward, I talked to the psychiatrist and he was like, do you even want to change, man? And I'm like, well, yeah, I want to change, but I'm lost. Like I have no idea how to change. I'm so addicted to all these drugs and alcohol. I'm afraid if I quit, I'm going to die just from the withdrawals. And he's like, look, if you want to change, we'll hold your hand and we'll love you until you can learn to love yourself. And in that moment, I felt that he was telling me the truth, right? And, and I felt, uh, I got the chills. I felt the Holy Spirit basically testifying to me that he's right. And if you want, if you want out of this, you, you can, you can get out of this. So I asked him if he had a set of the scriptures and he's like, yeah, I do. So he gave it to me. I go back to my room, I get on my knees and I reach out to God and I ask him for help. And I had a spiritual experience. I started crying like I had never cried before. I unleashed so much stuff that was just in me that I needed to cry about. And, and I, and that's what I did. And not that that's where it started. Right. And then, um, my family came up to the hospital and they were like, Hey, look, <clears throat> my uncle, who's also, um, he'd been intervening in my life since I was 16. He's also in long-term recovery and he's really, he does a lot of really cool stuff. He's uh ambassador of the state for Utah for opioid addiction awareness. And so he works with the governor, governor and, and different, I'm not exactly sure, but he does a lot of cool stuff. Uh, so he was intervening my life. Him and his wife came up and they were like, look, if you want help, we can get you help. We can get you in the treatment center and you can come and live with us as long as you're, you know, you're not using, you're not drinking, you're not smoking and you know, you're following our rules or whatever and going to treatment, you can live with us until you figure it out. And so I accepted that still not sure what was going to happen you know, how all this was going to work. I didn't have insurance. I didn't have any money. Rehab is not cheap. I didn't know how all this was going to work. Right. God, again, just keeps intervening in my life and making it happen. Uh, I got a scholarship to a rehab center to where I only had to pay 500 bucks to get in. And my grandma paid that. Luckily, my family went and cleaned out my apartment. I didn't really have anything left because everything that was worth value, I sold. Right. And so they cleaned up my apartment. It was a month to month lease. They came up to the hospital. They're like, look, you don't got anything else. You're basically homeless at this point. We cleaned out your apartment. We handed in the keys. Here's your clothes, you know, a duffel bag full of clothes. And, uh, all you need to do is just go focus on yourself and make sure that you find yourself and, and figure out what you got to figure out. Otherwise you're going to die. And so I was like, all right, you know, I got nothing else to do. Let's try this. I went to rehab spent my 29th birthday in there and then uh, struggled a little bit throughout the first year, just trying to figure out like who I was and where I fit in and how all this was going to work. Um, honestly, my intentions of going there and going to the rehab center was that I was going to get detoxed from drugs and alcohol. And then I was going to go back to my drug dealing business because I'd make a lot more money if I wasn't using the drugs. That, that was my intention. And that was where my thinking was, unfortunately, at that time. But through God, again, he just put the right people in my life. I had an amazing counselor 
um, who was able to get through to me. And he had a way of making me feel like everything he was teaching me was my own idea. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bought it, right? And so just through that and through uh, the 12-step programs and just meeting other people in recovery uh, and then struggling again the first year, relapsing, trying to figure out, okay, maybe I can just drink on the weekends. Maybe I can just do this every once in a while to the point where I finally surrendered to the fact that, look, I'm a drug addict, alcoholic. I've lost my privileges to, to play with this stuff. I have to practice 100% abstinence or I'm not going to make it. And once I realized that, which was about a year into it, then I, my life took off. It's like, came back to real estate. <laughs> it's like, all right, now through, uh, it's, it's personal development, right? When you're in recovery, it's all about you finding the connection with God and developing yourself. And so I'm big on that stuff anyways. I always really have been like, I like to read self-help books and everything else. And so, um, I met my wife, got married. Her dad's also in real estate. She's from the Dominican Republic, but her dad has real estate holdings there and a bunch of rentals and commercial and, and residential and stuff. So she's like, yeah, real estate. I'm down with that. Like, let's do it. Like, real estate's awesome, you know? And so um, our goal was, uh, so in that yeah, time- Chad, after, Chad, before you keep going. So I, yeah, I just want to- I just want to kind of close the door on that before we move on. So um, it's interesting because I, I shared a little bit about at Flip Hacking Live. I have a lot of alcoholism and, and I, I didn't necessarily share that part, but I do have some alcoholism in my family. I've had some, uh, some trouble with that. I know my dad took alcohol out of the house when I was a kid because he didn't want it around. I got into drinking when I was in high school and then college, obviously. And I've had some times in my life where it just wasn't um, the smartest thing to continue to I'm, I'm kind of have this addictive personality in anything that I do really. So it's either uh, all or nothing for me. So I, I just never a have one beer kind of guy. It was have too many beers, not remember what happened and just turned into kind of bad things. And so for me, I've had, I, I basically take one day a year now uh, in, in to have some drinks with my uncle over the summer. But I was looking back on 2019. I've, oh, that was the only day was a day in June that I drank any alcohol in the whole year of 2019, which is it from the most people that know me or grew up with me in high school and college and stuff like that. They would just think that's their, if they haven't seen me in a while, they would be amazed that that is true. And I had a, I had a good friend, uh, one of my, my best friend growing up and he, he, he was, we would all go out and party and drink and, 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 stuff like that. And when I, we were in high school and then we kind of went to college in, in Georgia and he kind of went to some different schools, but I found out one Christmas I came home from college or from, from the Navy. I came home over Christmas and I found out he was using painkillers, like uh, just uh, recreational painkiller usage. And he was just totally addicted to it. And so I forced him to come live with me down in Pensacola. I had a house, I was at flight school and um, I just, I was a flight instructor then. It was after my deployments and everything is about 2009, 2010, something like that. And so I saw him go through this withdrawal period and it was really, it just didn't seem like anybody was necessarily thinking it was a big deal other than me to that this was going on. Like I could see that this was progressing. He, he would come to me, ask me for money. He said, there's people looking for him that are not so nice people that he owes a lot of money to things like that. He's just gotten way past the limit. And so I watched him go through this and it wasn't easy. And this was probably maybe a third of what you were going through at that time. This was not, it was, it was severe, but it, it doesn't sound like it was anything like what you had to go through during this period. And seeing that I was just amazed at how hard it was for him. I mean, 
is just in the corner sweating on the ground of my of my bedroom and then going to the bathroom continuously to get sick and all this stuff for weeks. And just really me not even being able to let him out of the house or go anywhere because I know exactly what he would go look for and, and want to do. So um, that that is a very obviously challenging time in your life. And I've seen it personally in kind of a little bit different uh, way. And then I, I've seen myself struggle with some of the part with, with alcohol. So I know um, obviously not to the extremes that you've seen, but it's amazing what a lot of people have in their past and things that they've gone through that it's not on their, on their clothes. It's not on their face anymore. It's, they just don't wear it around like a badge. It's something that you have to really get to know somebody. I had no idea about any of this, by the way, for you. Yeah. And we've right. spoken multiple times. You're in the mastermind group. Um, it's just not necessarily the first thing that somebody says when you meet them. Right. And exactly. so I think the biggest thing is, is not to judge a book by its cover a lot of times and think that everybody has everything going on and everything that's going right. There's a lot of people who are listening to this that may have be, be going through that exact same struggle right now or have in their past, or they're going through something else in their life. It could be anything from the loss of a child to divorce to uh, having struggles with financials, with money and things like that. And everybody's got something going on. And I think if we look at everybody like that, then our perception of the world and everything that other people are going through totally changes. Um, I, I talk to people all the time with somebody who, you know, cut them off or said something to them at, or, you know, is in a deal, in a real estate deal, they're trying to back out of a real estate deal. Like something is going on in that person's life. It's not, they need to look in the mirror at them a lot of times. So for us, if we really treat people with kindness, respect, with, you know, um, do, do unto others as we would want done unto ourselves, kind of this golden rule principle, just like you talked about from the scriptures and everything that we're talking about. We really treat people with, um, try to get to know them a little bit, figure out what's going on in their life. And we'll probably talk about that when we get to your sales abilities and skills like that, like you've talked to. But um, it's just amazing to hear your story. And I think there's a lot of people that probably need to hear that, especially in the beginning to say, this is the foundation of your success up to this point that was built on this. And so anything's really possible if you want to change. And I think that's, like you said, you had the right people, you had the Holy Spirit working through you, and then you had, you had those, those family members, you had the people that cared about you enough to do something about it. And, but it was up to you. You were the only person that could have made that choice to change. So, okay, you changed, you've got to the point. You evolved for sure. <laughs> evolved, okay. So, yeah. and, and, and that was just, behind you. So after those couple of years, it became something that, um, the kind of you moved on to something else. And was that thing real estate or was that thing work or was that thing your wife? What was it that kind of, you know, drew you, uh, to focus on other things? Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was all those things that you mentioned, but I had this thought in my head. I had this idea. Okay. As much effort as you put into that life to stay intoxicated, to stay out of jail, to stay one step ahead of the law, to stay, you know, if you're, you got your clients that are needing to be restocked on drugs or whatever it is, not only that, and I wasn't like a high, high level criminal by no means, but you know, it was like street level peddler or whatever. So, but all those things that you do, like it actually takes a lot of effort and a lot of creativity and a lot of like thinking through it and stuff, believe it or not. Um, and so I thought, okay, this was my life. I put this much effort into this. So now I understand and realize and accept that this is no longer my life. So where's all that energy going to go? 
And I got to harness that and I got to focus that same level of commitment, that same level of energy into what do I want in life, right? And I've always had dreams of being a millionaire. Since I was a little boy, my grandma told me, you're going to make your millions in sales because you have the gift of gab. And I believed her and I always wanted to be a millionaire. And that's why I always chased sales because, you know, I saw in the car business guys making six figures that were high school dropouts just like me. And I thought, okay, that's great, you know. So uh, it was all those things, but I would say mainly my family and earning. I wanted to earn. I wanted to earn a lot of money. I wanted to build a business or whatever that took. My wife owns a company. So I married her and she already owns a small her family's in the coffee business. And so she owns a small coffee roasting wholesale company. So I worked for her for a couple of years, managing their sales, built their company up a little bit. And then it, you know, it just, it's not my passion. I don't drink, <clears throat> I don't drink coffee and it's not, it was okay. I, you know, it was, it wasn't bad, but I didn't, it wasn't where my focus was, but I read rich dad, poor dad. Um, I always watch YouTube videos. I ran into Kiyosaki I was like, man, I like this guy. I like how he talks. He's straight to the point. He doesn't BS. I related to that. Uh, so I read his book and it changed my life. I mean, it totally changed the way no one ever taught me about finances or how money works or how to make your money work for you. And so when I read that book and I understand, I thought I understood the difference between assets and liabilities, but I didn't until I read that book. I'm like, holy, this is totally different than what anyone else has ever taught me. And so I talked to my wife. I'm like, look, this is what we're going to do. I need to get a job that I can make around six figures a year. And we need to save our money and we need to buy rental properties. So we're going to use our buying power. We're not going to buy a house. We're going to live in these cheap old 1960s apartments until you just can't stand it anymore. And we're going to use our buying power to acquire assets that'll bring us money instead of take us money, take our money, right? So she's totally on board with it. And we started down that path. Um, I got a job with a property management company that was perfect. Um, I got promoted within six months because I was killing it there. Like, you know, I was doing really good. Within like eight months, probably, I think, uh, I got promoted to a corporate position. My income doubled. And all of a sudden, we're like, all right, now, now we're really going to be able to accomplish some goals. Um, I was living in Andy McFarland's apartment. <laughs> unbeknownst to me, right. That it was Andy's. I had talked to him a couple times via text, just like, Hey, um, you know, I wanted to install a dishwasher just to give you an idea of the kind of apartment it was like still had the 1960s linoleum floor. Didn't have a dishwasher, but we're like living way below our means because we need to save every penny because we want to acquire real estate. Right. I'm living in his apartment and it was a fourplex. And it was zoned as a duplex. So the city came in and said, you got to fix this. this. This can't be a fourplex. You got to turn it back into a duplex. So Andy's sister is the property manager. And she, this is all from me talking to Andy. That's how I know all this all evolved, right? So she's like, you got to come over and we got to look at this place. Cause I don't know how we're going to turn it back into a duplex and what we're going to do. And from what Andy says, he, he never walks his properties. He rarely goes and visits his rentals and, he was kind of apprehensive, like, oh, you got it. Like, you're fine. Just figure it out, you know, but she was persistent, I guess. Like, she's like, no, you got to come with me and check this out. So here comes Andy over to our house to walk it and inspect it. And I'm talking to him and I have my, uh, uh, in our church, we hold the priesthood. So I had the ordinance papers on my wall. 
like you receive the Aaronic priesthood and the Melchizedek priesthood and they're like plaques, but just, I put them on my wall. So Andy's seen those and he's like, man, that's really cool. Like I've never seen anyone hang that on their wall like that. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm proud of it. You know, I've grown a lot and it's a big deal. And he's like, Oh, that's cool. You know, and left it at that. And then we go in the kitchen and he's about to leave. And I'm like, Hey, I need to ask you a couple questions because I knew he's in real estate. And he's like, all right, shoot. So I give him my elevator speech, right, on my plans, on what, what we're planning to do. I'm like, is my thinking right? I mean, am I, am I thinking about this right? Am I going to be able to do this? And my plan was to move out of his place because I didn't want to use my, my buying power to buy a house, which is what my wife kind of wanted to do at that point. So I was like, hey, man, I've seen like some rent to owns. So can I get one of those and not use my buying power so I can still buy a rental property at the end of this year? And he gives me like a 60 second answer. He's like, nah, you probably shouldn't do that. What you should do is find someone that will offer you seller finance. That's going to work a lot better. And I'm just like, okay, thanks. You know, not sure. It's like, okay, whatever that is, right? Whatever the heck that is. And so uh, I travel for work. So I got promoted to corporate, our companies nationwide. Um, they own mobile home parks across the country. So it's a really cool company, especially if you're interested in real estate. I mean, they've been able to build an empire. They're the number one uh, property, the largest privately held property management company in the country with a huge portfolio, like two or $3 billion worth of mobile home parks that they own. So I travel all over the country and, and train on sales and sell. And, and they have a sister company that's just sells the mobile homes. So that's what I do. So that was Saturday. Andy's at my house. Monday morning, I'm on the plane to Denver, right? I've been, I've been working in Cheyenne. So I was flying into Denver every Monday. It's like been doing this for two or three months. I'm sitting in my seat, same seat I'm in every week. Here comes Andy walking through the door. And then I'm like, what the heck? You know, I see him coming, sits right next to me. I'm like, Hey, do you remember me? He's like, I don't know. I was like, you look familiar. Who are you? And I'm like, I, you were at my house on Saturday. I'm Chad. He's like, Oh yeah, cool, man. Like, so we were both just like, there's more to this, right? We both knew it. We felt it and we both knew it. And we had to go and uh, de-ice and everything because it was in the winter. And so, I mean, we were, cause the flight from Utah to Denver is like 60 minutes, but we were on this plane for close to three hours and we're talking for three hours and we're just, and he's just being cool. He's, he's on his way to the Keystone meeting for the seven figure flipping. Right. And he's like, man, this is really weird. Like I'm not supposed to be on this plane. Like I, I actually was supposed to leave a day early, but something happened or whatever. So we're both like, well, let's figure it out. Like, why are you here? Like sitting right next to me? Like, so we talk real estate. I talk, we talk wealth. We talk, uh, spiritual, like Andy's really good at that. And, you know, he, he's really good at bringing my attention back to what's actually important, you know? And so we talked, it was just, it was life changing to the point where he also sent me some videos, uh, seller finance videos, his four hour course. He's like, so what I was talking about is this, I'll send you these videos, watch them. Let me know what you think. Don't share them with anyone, whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. I got off the plane, called my wife. I'm like, you're not going to believe this. Like, I, you know, our landlord, whatever. And she's like, wow, that's God. Like he, he's, he's, he, he's introducing you to Andy so that you can see what's possible for you. And then if you stay on the path, what he could bless you with. And I'm just like, yeah, no, I agree. And so we all agreed, me and Andy and my wife, we're on the same page. Like, all right, he's in my life for a reason, whatever that reason is. I have no idea. Maybe just to inspire me. Maybe it was just that plane ride 
that was it, you know, and that would have been cool too. It's like inspiring enough. But what happened was my mind was open. I didn't know about seller finance. I didn't know about private money. I didn't know about hard money. I didn't know about wholesaling. What I thought was with the, with the natural snowball of success, what's going to happen is we're going to start, we're going to save our money, which we did. We're going to buy rental properties and through the snowball factor of success, more things are going to happen. We're going to figure out how to flip houses. We're going to buy more rental properties. So we already knew it was going to happen. We just didn't know how. Right. And so I was like, wow, my mind is completely open. So, uh, and he told me about seven figure flipping and what he was going to Keystone to do and all that stuff. And so I was like, man, I, I low level, low key started like stalking him. I wanted to know everything I could. I didn't like find out where he lived or anything weird. But I Googled him and I looked up seven figure flipping and I ran into house flipping HQ and all that stuff. And I would always ask Andy questions. I would text him like two or three times a week, but I never wanted, I never knew where that line was and I didn't want to cross it. Right. Like I wanted to be his friend. I wanted to be cool with him. Like I wanted to get to know him and I wanted to like learn from him, but I didn't want to cross that line of, being pushy or being annoying or overstepping my boundaries or asking too much or whatever the case was, especially understanding that he's a real estate coach and he gets paid to do that. So I don't want to, you know what I mean? It's kind of weird. So I'm like, all right, I'll buy into house flipping formula. So then I won't feel so guilty about asking Andy questions, right? Cause I'm a paying customer at this point. Um, so that's what I did. I got, uh, I bought house flipping formula I watched all the videos and was just, it was all um, just opening my mind really. It's like, I'm a pretty good learner and I'm a pretty good implementer. And so I, I have, I, I believe in myself and my abilities and it wasn't like um, to an extent, I guess I believe in myself and my abilities, but it was like, it made sense. It's like, okay, I guess that's how it happens. Like, I guess, I guess people just lend you thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars and charge you, you know, it's like, so it just opened my mind. I didn't really, uh, I didn't really take much action. Um, I watched a lot of videos and I learned a lot and I believed that it could happen, but I was in this weird, like transitional state because me and my wife have been saving for three years and we wanted to put 20% down on a fourplex. And so we're like, let's just like handle this. We got all this money. We don't want to blow it. We've been saving for three years. Let's not like turn away from our dreams just because we found something else. Let's still buy this rental property and what we've been working towards. And so it's kind of like, that was my excuse to not take action is because that was going to happen like right now. It's happening right now. I needed to wait until October because um, a lot of my m money is commissioned. So the lender wanted to see more years of the average. So yeah, that's, that's, that's how I ended up at uh, Flip Hacking Live, which, and, and by the way, this is all from last March. And so this has all happened like just this year. And so we were on the rental and becoming landlord path, but meeting Andy and God putting Andy in our lives, it opened us up to the possibilities. Cause my wife, she's really smart too. I mean, she's a lawyer. She's um, her family. They're entrepreneurs. I mean, they're really smart, but they're from the Dominican Republic. They don't, that doesn't happen there either. So they're kind of like, Oh, cool. It's like, she was not really aware of it. Like, Oh, it's cool. That makes sense. But. Okay. So <clears throat> three years of saving money of, you know, learning about real estate from reading rich dad, poor dad to you have these plans, you're going to do it. Then meeting Andy on the way to seven figure flipping meeting in Denver. Um, so that was the Keystone meeting that we did. 
And I remember all that. I actually remember Andy being, having to come a day late and all the things that were going on with him. And so, like you said, he wasn't supposed to be on that airplane. He wasn't supposed to be sitting next to you. It's always very interesting um, things happening, right? The, all these things are going in place exactly as they should for a reason. And when you look back, it was all by design when, when you're just sitting there going, okay, well, the, this, this is a coincidence, right? All these coincidences that kind of align. I've shared in the past with uh, my grandmother passing away and us, my wife and I, Lucy getting, uh, they screwed up our flight in, to go to Africa in May. And I got the opportunity to see my grandmother, which I, never should have happened. It never would have happened. I had lunch with her and my mom happened to be in town too from Florida and Maryland. And the four of us, my wife, my mom, and my grandmother got to have lunch. This the last time I got to see my grandmother. She died a few months later. So it was no coincidence that they just didn't have a plane ticket for us to Africa until the next day. All of these things just aligned. And it was very clear that I got to see my grandmother in some great light just before her dementia. So a lot of these things that we think are coincidences are, in, if, in my belief, are not. It's oh, by design. It's, um, <clears throat> and I, I, can, I know that you and Andy feel the same way and a lot of us. So, so meeting Andy and, and buying House Swimming Formula, which uh, by the way, if you're listening to this, it's not a program that we're selling anymore, but it had been a program in the past that we, we did for about five years of uh, kind of Andy and Justin videos and stuff like that. And now we've rolled out kind of the runway group to replace that at Flip Hacking Live. So, so you join that. It's very interesting because my COO, Nate, he did the same way. He was felt, he was kept asking me questions and meeting me for lunch and trying to push it. And I just said, look, man, like yeah, exactly. I, 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 I want to help you, but just go join this program because then I'm on a call once a month. I can help you. I'm in the Facebook group all the time. And then it'd just be a lot, a lot better. He did it. He took that action. He took that step and he did it. And then, um, and then he took the next step and the next step. And next thing you know, you know, him and I are running the company together now. So it's, it's very interesting to see your journey. You, you, he said, you, you know, you, you were respectful of Andy's time. That's what it is. Yeah. It's about being respectful and wanting to do the right thing, which I think is great. And there's a lot of people that don't understand the boundaries and things like that, that, Hey, you know, saying yes to, to helping you or, or meeting with you is saying no to a lot of other things that we have to do, like inside the community, which we all believe uh, really strongly about. So, um, so, okay. So you came to Flip Hacking Live in October this year. What was that like for you? Was you in the financial position to go? Was it something that you absolutely had to go? Why did you go? Those kind of things. Yeah. So I was in the financial position to go and, uh, like I've, I've been a big fan of this podcast, right. And I've watched the evolution of the company. I mean, I watched when, when I listened, when Justin said, this is it, I'm handing the keys over to Bill. And I was like, cool. Like, you know, let's go, let's see what's going to happen. So then I started listening to you and I was on like the live, uh, Facebook lives and stuff. And, and believe it or not, one of the things that you said was if you're serious, if you're serious about your business, you will be at this event. And it stood out to me and I was like, am I serious? Like, what have I been doing? Like I bought this program. I haven't really done anything. I'm kind of just sitting here like in idle waiting like let, let under, like I'm consciously aware that I'm letting my limited beliefs hold me back, but I still don't have like the confidence just to be like, no, well, let's go. So I was like, well, I talked to my wife. I'm like, Hey, do you want to go to San Diego? She's like, yeah, of course. So I'm like, well, let's go check out this event. Um, we'll be around Andy and a bunch of other people like him and I'm sure we'll get inspired and, and it's San Diego anyway. So, so let's go. Right. So we went and, uh, 
that was going to be like my platform because it was perfect timing because I knew that I would qualify for the loan that I needed to get my rental property in October, which is when Flip Hacking Live was. So I'm like, this will be our platform to jump off because it's perfect timing. We'll buy the rental property. Whatever we learn here at Flip Hacking Live or whatever we take from here, we're going to use that and we're just going to jump in 2020. We're just going to go for it. And that's, that was kind of what we, that was our plan. So we went to Flip Hacking Live and it was like, Dude, it was way more than what we expected. Like to the point where now my wife, after flip packing live, she's like during the event when the runway group was introduced and all that, she's like, join, join, join. Like you, you got to join. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, let's just chill. Like I already have the house flipping formula. I already have all the videos. Like my problem is implementation. Like I have an idea of what to do, but I just have to, go. I have to do it. And so I just have to start. And that's kind of scary, right? Starting. But uh, we prayed about it and we talked about it and we analyzed it. And then I realized, I'm like, you know what? House living formula is great, but it's a lot of here's what to do, but it's not a lot of step-by-step -step how you do it. So for, and I'll use an example, list source. Yeah. You need it. If you want to do marketing, you got to buy a list from list source. That was kind of where house living formula ended. You got to send mailers. You got to do this, but it didn't take you step by step. And this is not a knock on house living formula. I mean, it was great and it helped me out a lot, but I got a career. I'm working 60 hours a week. I'm on three, four planes a week. I got my wife. We have two kids at this point. So a lot of that figuring stuff out, which isn't really my strength anyway, I'm the, you tell me what to do and I'll go do it guy. And so I was like struggling a little bit. And so, but knowing that I wanted to be a part of this and knowing that the Facebook group, just the interaction that I had with house flipping formula was valuable. And I was like, okay, so now it's runway. So now all the coaches and everything are going to be moving to runway. Not only that, the people that are in Runaway are paying a heck of a lot more to be there than the people that are in House Moon Formula. So obviously, if you want to soar with the Eagles, that's where the Eagles are going. Because if they're ponying up that kind of dough to get in this group, then they're serious. And I want to be around people who are serious, right? I want to be around people who are pushing. And uh, in sales, we have a saying, talk with your bat, right? You can talk, talk, talk all you want, but your bat and your stats are going to tell you the truth. So I was like, those people are talking with their bat. They're, they're paying to go they're, They want to be there. So anyways, that, that, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to be there and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll see if Bill will get on a call with me. <laughs> yeah, so, um, then we, we did that call and it's like we're doing it. And my wife was pretty happy. So she knew that this was going to be crucial and that we needed to be a part of this. And she was, and it's unlike her to do that. She's usually just like, kind of lets me figure things out and do it. But she was pushing me. She was like, no, we got, we got to do this. We got to join. Like you got to be a part of this. So. Yeah. So I, I, fortunately I didn't have to get on a call with every single person, but know. You, know, you, uh, you spoke with Andy, I think. And then yeah, you kind of said, Hey, I, I really just have some questions and you and I have spoke inside the house of formula Facebook group on comments and things like that. And, and you're always very active and involved in, you know, uh, so I, I, I knew you recognized you from there and said, yeah, okay, uh, let's, let's have a conversation. And it was interesting because I'm, I really just tried to hold up a mirror to you and not yeah. tell you what I think you should do. And it seemed like that's what kind of what you were looking for is like, just tell me what to do. What should I do? Is this for me? Is this for me? And I've, it, 
I'm just so used to having that conversation over and over again that I've had it so many times that really the answer is, you know what the answer is. So whether it's to do it or not to do it, if I tell you what to do, it's, it's going to be a lot worse than if you decide. It's kind of like that counselor that you, that you talked about. It's got to be your idea or yeah, you, you won't exactly. do it, you know? Exactly. If it's not you your idea. It, it no. won't be your belief. And, and if you come in off of me saying, yeah, based on what you told me, I think you should absolutely do it. You're going to be very successful. And then at the end of the year, you're, you're, just, you're not going to put in that level of effort, I feel like. You really have to believe it. You have to own it. It has to be your decision and what you want to do. Otherwise, like, look, I, I would love more than anything for all the people that are in the position to join a group like this, to join the, the right group for them, because I know what it's like. I've been there. I mean, this was me. This, my success was off of this platform and I wouldn't have done it without this. I wouldn't be where I am without this group and this group of people and this mastermind. I just wouldn't. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. So if, but nobody, I, I had to get, I had to go reach out to my trusted advisors, but nobody said like, you have to do this. This is absolutely for you who was selling it to me. You know, um, I never got on a call with anybody. I just listened to the podcast. I said, you know what? I'm going to bet on myself. And so same thing for you and let you make that decision. It took you like a day and you're like, okay, yeah. I'm in, let's do it. And so, so what's it been like since then? So you joined and what was it like? automatic success on day one or what did it look like close to it yeah it was close to it It was more like day three but it was really okay yeah. tell, tell me about that so and it really wasn't day three but day three that I actually started implementation right and so it's like okay I joined and uh, I watched the videos and I was like this is what I needed I know that I need to go to list source to get a marketing list but taking four hours to figure out how to do that and working through all the fear of, Oh, am I doing it right? Am I putting the right parameters on the list? Am I, do I put 40% equity or 50% equity or all those things? Right? So I just watched your video and I trusted you and I'm like, all right, I'm going to build this exact list and see what happens. My plan going into this was I didn't really want to send direct mail just because of the cost and every in Utah is a really competitive market. And I already know Andy's here, Tyler Jensen's here, other guys that are big time players are here. So I don't really want to compete with them. I want to try to figure out what I can do to kind of separate myself and do something different. And what I do at my job, we get inbound leads and uh, we text, call and email them and try to, you know, get them to buy manufactured homes. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to set up a text calling and email campaign to buy houses. Same thing I'm already doing essentially. Right? So I built that list. I built a list of absentee equity um, that was about it. I mean, I set up the parameters of like 50% equity or more. They've owned the house for at least three years. I didn't want any newer houses. So I think I put houses that were like 2000 or older or something like that. And my plan was in the evenings after my job, I'm going to text, call and email this list until I figure out what's working. So like, uh, day three doing this, and this is a, this is after the 12 week year started also, which I was kind of like, okay, I'll get through the videos. And then once the 12 week year starts, then I'll actually start doing this stuff and tracking it and, and staying competitive in the group and all that stuff. Um, so like day three, texting, calling and emailing, I get a, I get a lead, but it's, uh, the lady's like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sell that house, but I have another house to, um, to sell. And so I was like, Oh crap, like this is actually working. Right. And so fast forward, that deal is now, it's, it's, it's in the pipeline, 
But since then, I've been able to get four other contracts. But there's another piece of information that I forgot to mention, so I'm going to rewind just a little bit, all right? So I have this plan, and I call Andy again, and I'm like, hey, I want to take you to lunch, right? So we go to lunch, and I'm telling Andy this plan, and I'm like, so is it going to work? What do you think? He's like, yeah, I think it's going to work. And he's like, so what are you going to do when you get your first contract? And I'm like, I'm going to call you. And he just kind of started laughing. He's like, all right, whatever. Like, you're going to call me. He's like, why are you going to call me? I'm like, well, I don't, I mean, I don't have a buyer's list. I don't have an act. I don't have a dispositions team. I don't have transaction coordination. I don't have every buyer in Utah's name already that you have. And I know that I'm not going to be able to extract as much cash out of them by myself. So I'm going to use you. You're going to mentor me. I'm going to call you and ask you for all this advice. And if I'm buying it right, and if my uh, ARV is right and all that stuff, and then if I get a contract, then I'm just going to give it to you and you're going to sell it for me. And he's like, all right, cool. Yeah, whatever. So we worked out an agreement or whatever. So after I got that first lead, which is in the pipeline now, I, I think it's going to close. Um, her mom passed away. She needed a couple months to clean it out and she wouldn't let us put it under contract until next year. So I, I've been following up with her. I think, I think we're going to get that deal. But after I got that lead on day three, I was like, man, this is, this is going to work. Like, how do I scale this? And so I was like, cause I didn't get a single response from email. Cold calling wasn't going too good. Text messaging. I was getting like a 40 or 50%. Actually, because of the way I was doing it, the first text I was sending was just high as this John or high as this bill. So I was getting like a 99% response rate, ton of brain damage. And I've totally switched my approach since then. But I was like, dude, this, this is going to work great. So I go to the group, I go to the runway Facebook group. I'm like, Hey, I need to scale this. Um, I'm noticing that my response rate in text messaging is way better. This is what I want to put all my focus on. How do I do this? How can I scale this? One of the guys in the group says, Hey, this is what you need to do. Use this, use this program. You'll be able to send like 10,000 text messages a month. It'll cost you like 2,500 bucks a month all in with the skip tracing and buying the lists and everything. And if you want to jump on a call, we can do that and I'll show you how to use it. I'm just like, dude, heck yeah. You know? So, so we did that. And Chris, he's in my uh, 12 week year group too. Really good guy. He took some time, you know, we talked for like an hour one night on a zoom call. He walked me through it, showed me how it worked. And so then I bought that program and uh, just took off. I've been working um, about three days a week, five hours a day doing that. And, uh, we got four contracts. So, wow. <laughs> we've, yeah. Yeah. So, and it's, it's, uh, it's going pretty good. Like, I'm okay. Really so, excited. so what was the difference? Let's go back to that. You said you jumped, you were in house swimming formula, you watched the videos, those kind of things, but you kind of didn't implement. So what's the difference? Like, why did you start implementing right away? Is it because of the amount of money that you spent? What was it? What is it? All that. Yeah, I think that, but, um, for me it was, uh, the money obviously, but really, if I really think about it, it has to be just the mindset. And so me being around a bunch of other investors who are in the same position as me just starting out, but they're confident and they're taking action. And then I have the runway videos, which is, I'm getting a master's degree in how to be a real estate investor, right? Just watching these videos. Um, the confidence, the mindset, just like, I can do this. Like, I know how to do this. Other people are doing it. I'm highly capable. I got the money. I can do this. 
what's the last excuse? I ran out of excuses, I guess. But okay, let's go one step deeper. Like why? Like, what is it? Like, really, you're saying that, okay, I, my mindset changed. Like, what was it? We have a Facebook group. Is it people, other people's success? Like, how do you get confidence if you haven't done anything yet? What is it? What was it? Well, those two things, other people's success and then my competitive nature. And so, and if you remember on the call, that's one of the things we talked about. You asked me, you're like, do you thrive in this kind of environment? I'm like, thinking back, like, every sales team I've ever been on, I have to be the number one guy. And I worked my butt off to make sure that happens. So I'm like, maybe this will cross over and all these other investors having success will light that fire in me. And it did, you know, like you see other young investors that don't know, they know about as much as I do and they've done about as much as I do having success. And it's like, I want that, you know, I I need to do that. So, but the confidence part just, uh, I don't know, dialing it back. I can't really pinpoint it just being surrounded by a group of people that are doing what you want to do proves to you that you can do it. And you don't really, it's either you just do it or you don't. And I didn't want to be the guy who didn't. I just, we're going to do it. Right. Yeah. I think think some of it is you're probably ready Like in your life and your time. You're probably ready for that. I mean, when we talked, you said, well, Hey, I've got this money. I'm ready to buy a rental or I'm going to do this. Like, which one should I do? And I was like, well, what do you want to do? Like what, what excites you? What, what makes sense for you? Where do you want to be? And you made that decision. But what I see a lot of times I see people, I've seen, I see people who will buy a program and they won't use it or they'll buy a program and they will crush it, just absolutely dominate it. And so when I see you come in and just start running, it's incredible to see. And you're one of the best you're one of the biggest, I don't like the word cheerleader, but you're somebody inside the group who's constantly giving um, high fives, pats on the back, um, kind of motivation for other people too, because I'm, I'm assuming that you thrive off of that same thing as well. So I know that I do. So I was really involved because I know when people get involved, they watch the videos, they start implementing, they start seeing progress. You start seeing, you got a lead that lead looks like it's going to be a contract. That's where Mm -hmm. confidence is created. Right. And then that confidence starts snowballing and then you get another contract and another contract. And then you start going, this isn't as hard as everybody says it is (laughs) because it's not, you know, it it really isn't. It's about execution, implementation and taking action. And for me, that's what it was all about. You put me in a room of successful people. You're, you better, you'll, you'll be sure that I'm going to rise up to that level or above because I'm like you. I want to, I got to be the number one guy all the time. It's, it's a problem. And it's, but when you use it for good, instead of evil, like going back to the beginning of this conversation, you work so hard to become a criminal and you're, Mm -hmm. you're actually like building a business around it and evading everybody, but using it for good instead of evil is, is really powerful now. Like I love the fact that I can, I can take all of my time. The reason I don't drink alcohol anymore is because number one, I've got three little kids and I can't be waking up with a hangover. Number two, I don't have time for that. Like I am so obsessed with something that I love that is bringing success and fulfillment to me and my family and allows us to do all the things that we want to do that I'm going to spend my energy there. I'm not going to spend energy on things that drag me down. And the cool thing that I see for you and everybody else that's implementing all of these things, and hopefully a lot of our runway and altitude members are listening to this too, not just the folks that listen to the podcast that aren't part of our mastermind group is this is how you use something like this. You actually take the video, watch it, do it, and then 
bear the fruit from your labor. And that's it. And then it's about repetition and doing it. So um, interesting to hear. I always want to know why somebody took, like they were part of something for a while and just didn't act. And then they start to act. Like really, if you really think about it, there's something that happens. There's something there that everybody needs. And a lot of people that are listening are going, yeah, but he's got this or he does this. Well, Chad, Chad is on four planes a week. You work nonstop in your sales job. You have two children. A wife. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You guys have twins? No, but they're one and two. So, okay. One year apart. Yeah. Like say yeah. you're, you're in the heat of it. Like me, like throw yeah. another one in there. Um, exactly. you know, it's, uh, it's, it's nuts in my house and there is not really, there's, you have millions of excuses. You can use them all, use them all. And like you said, it sounds like you kind of ran out of them, but yeah. you had to have that. You had to be ready for it. Like you're in the position where you're said, I'm going to make it. I'm going to join this program. I'm going to do something about it. And it's not just like, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to see what it's like. If you're going to spend that kind of money, then you better be sucking every single ounce of value out of it. Right. And really use it. And trust it, you know, cause that was my, I like when I did the list source video, it's like, I don't really need to figure this out. I just need to, what does Walter Bond say? Follow instructions and, and what I've, I've butchered it, but. Oh yeah. What is it? He's got, he had an awesome. Follow directions and execute or something yeah. like that. So I'm like, these guys are doing it. I don't need to ask a million questions. I just need to follow this step-by-step program. If it doesn't work, then I'll start asking questions, but it hasn't come to that point so far. <laughs> it's working. Awesome. So, and you're, yeah. and you're part of the accountability groups too. I'm a part. Yeah, I'm active. I mean, we're, we have a good group. We're all pretty loyal and we're active. And what group number are you? Two. Group two. Okay. We have our own Facebook group too. Just us. I've heard about that group. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're active. We're serious. Cool. So, so what's next? So four contracts in the pipeline and then, and then one that's uh, supposed to close at the end of the year. So what's, uh, what's the plan going forward? The plan going forward is, uh, I'm going to scale it even deeper, I think, because I've been working with Andy. It's been going good. He's across multiple markets. I think I'm going to hire a team of texters and see if I can't crush it in all of his markets. So That's just, you're, so he's fine with you. You're going to piggyback off of his buyers list and some of the things that you guys have talked about to build the back end of the team until you're ready to take it on in-house yourself. hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. It's like, it's better for me because with everything else I have going, right. And I love my job and I make good money and everything else. It's like, um, what I've, I've heard it said before and I really believe it. Uh, the, the business is really, uh, leads in conversion, right? I mean, you've said it, all the other coaches have said it. If you have a deal, the money's going to find you, the buyers are going to find you. So I'm like, it, it's, a, it's a really good relationship that I have with Andy because not only do I get a piggyback on this company and say, Hey, sell this deal for me and get top dollar for it. Like I probably couldn't, but I also get to be mentored by him. And it's like, you know, I'll call him and be like, Hey, here's where I think the ARV is. Will you look at this and tell me what you think? And then he's like, yeah, I think it's more like this or whatever. Right. So it's uh, it gives me an opportunity to learn and grow and make money without and be a business owner without having a million moving parts right out of the gate when I already have a million moving parts in my life. Right. So it's been cool. So the determination is there. The confidence is building the imagination. You can see this kind of future for yourself of where you're going to be. And, uh, the sky's the limit, I think for Chad Lundell. So, (laughs) so what, what about where do you, where do you guys live now? Do you guys still live in a a crappy apartment? uh, Andy's apartment? 
it's it's okay. It's not Andy's anymore because we moved out because the city turned it into a duplex and doubled. The rent. I'm like, this don't make sense anymore. Yeah. So we found another one, <laughs> and uh, it's updated, so it's not as old. And we're you know it's two bedroom. It's tiny. Our kids are sharing a room. My wife doesn't have a kitchen, but we're just like, it's all right. It's all part of the plan. I mean, we're humble. We're we don't need fancy cars and fancy houses. We know we're going to get all that. But right now, it's all about sacrifice. Um, and you said something, Bill, that really stood out to me at Flip Packing Live. And this is how I think. I want to be there around my kids by the time they'll remember. And so right now, they're babies. They're not going to remember dad sleeps away from home four days a week, five days a week, whatever the case is. They're not going to remember we live in a tiny apartment with 60s linoleum floor. Not that that's bad, but, you know, so we're just like, look, we'll sacrifice their babies, they, they love sharing a room. We don't, we don't care. Let's just pay cheap rent and invest our money. Yeah. Yeah. So. You're building the foundation. You're doing the right thing for the future. You're planning for that. I absolutely love it. I mean, I, I have told the story many times. I was living off 55 or 60% of my salary while I was saving money in the beginning. And the only way that I could springboard into my real estate investment business now, buying that first house to flip was to have a bunch of cash that I'd saved up for 10 years as I was investing in the stock market and doing all these other things, I didn't know anything about this world, just like you. I was brought into it by a podcast. I joined a group that I paid $25,000 for. And then I showed up and God put Andy and Justin in my life. And line upon line, yeah. It's amazing to see the impact and influence that they've had on such a short time on me to now be able to turn around and make that impact hopefully on somebody else and tell those kind of stories. For me, my son is five years old. He just learned how to ride a bike on two wheels recently. So, so cool. awesome. It was probably <laughs> the biggest defining moment of my life so far to see that and be here and be the one who can teach him that for three days in a row and be out there every single day. And I, today, when I pick him up, I'm going to turn on the outside lights and we're going to go do five minutes. So he consistently has that. And I can be here every day for him if I need to. And he's going to remember this stuff. This is now he's starting to remember and daddy's home and can do whatever I want. And right. that's it. And you've got probably three years before that <laughs> oldest baby is, is there. And yeah. I have no doubt that you're going to do it. I mean, you're already on a trajectory that's above where I was. It took me, you know, four and a half months to first put my first deal in the bank. So it's, uh, it's amazing to see that. And I'm just thankful that we have a, a group of people that are, you know, working together, like all these people that are in the group that are jumping on calls with you to help you out. They're paying members of the group. That's what the true mastermind is all about is that we put the right people in the right place with the right heart and everybody wants to help everybody else get to another level of success. Yeah. That's been my experience with it. And I was, we were, I was talking to Andy about this the other night. Uh, the group, it feels like a family. I mean, it really does. And we're all, we all kind of think the same, but we're all there for each other and, and we kind of embrace each other and help each other, boost each other up. And I mean, it's a, it's a really good thing we got going on. Well, he cares about you a ton because after you and I talked, he, him and I talked and he said, Hey, what did you tell him? And he's like, he's like, is he going to join? And he's, I was like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know if he should. I said, well, yeah. it's up to him. Like I didn't tell him to or not to. And he said, no, I didn't either. We, it sounds like we had the exact same conversation with him. So, um, I think that's when you know you're talking to the right person. So a lot of times people ask, um, 
you know, the real estate mentoring and coaching world can kind of get a bad spin a little bit from time to time. There's people out there that aren't doing the right thing. There's some phenomenal groups out there that are doing incredible things. And you got to find the one who is right for you. You got to find the people that you resonate with. And you got to find the person who, if you're getting pushed hard and heavily closed into a, a group like this, uh, it might be an, an idea of what's to come. So I uh, really, it, it, everything should speak for itself. So come in, have some success. Success will breed more success and you'll have the right people and you'll retain the clients for long-term. And that's my goal is to make sure like my, one of my goals for 2020 is to get our renewal and success rate well above 80%. I want people to stay. If they're staying, it means they're making more money. They're seeing us as the path to that, that direction and they can afford to rejoin year after year, right? And right, come exactly. to our events and travel and do all the things that they want to do because they know that it's part of their personal and professional development. And that's so big for me. And like you said, you've been reading books and pushing yourself and going to events and things. And uh, it's exciting to see where you're, where you're going. I'm, I, I had no idea about your past. Um, yeah. But I, I have with that, you know? No, no. And, and, yeah, rightfully so. But I, I will tell you, it it probably makes you 10 times stronger than somebody who hasn't been through something like that. And you have a place that, you know, you you need to reach success to, to get to a point where when you look back, you can see like you have come so far from, <clears throat> from that. It, it, we even started this before we started recording. You said, I was homeless at a point, just about homeless, carrying a bag. And I said, what? Mm -hmm. And I had no idea about any of that because, you know, the way that you act and carry yourself and um, it's, you, you don't see that stuff. You don't see it on, on anybody, really. You don't see anybody's past. And all of us have been through something or are going through something right now. So, you know, keep that in mind when you're dealing with people and thinking about what they need and their struggles and what they're going through and how they're reacting to you too. Cause there's been a lot of times where I haven't, I probably haven't responded the way that I should because I was in a bad place or a stressful environment, or I'm just kind of like keying off of something else that's going on in my world. Anytime that I've ever snapped at my kids, it's hasn't been about them. It's been about right. something else that's going on and it's not the person that I want to be. So, um, I'm, a, I'm just pretty amazed at this conversation and where you were before and where you are now. So it's pretty amazing. And a lot of times we don't look back and see how far that we've come. So hopefully you do that on a regular basis. Yeah. Humbly as possible. I mean, I definitely do. And I'm like, there's a long way to go. And, and uh, that's why I shared the story on this podcast to hopefully inspire anyone else. Right. Cause I say, I don't lead with that. And I don't, cause that was my past. It's not who I am today, but it just proves the point that if you find God and get around the right people, um, miracles happen. And I mean, I shouldn't even be alive today, let alone doing big real estate transactions, right? <laughs> so um, it's good. God is good. God is powerful. And uh, I'm just grateful to be a part of this. Absolutely. I, I love it. I'm, I'm really thankful that you shared that because a lot of people wouldn't. I know that um, Heather was on the podcast with me and she has a, a, an interesting past that she shared with me the first time that we had a call on an interview. Yeah. I, I mean, we, an hour and a half on the phone, I was shocked that she was telling me half the stuff that she was telling me, but we were just having a genuine conversation and she just felt comfortable talking to me about that stuff. And honestly, I would say 99% of the employers out there wouldn't hire somebody at when they tell them a story like that. And um, what I saw was somebody who came, went through adversity, came out on top and is going to work harder than anybody else out there. And I see the same thing in you talking to you now. And it's been obvious inside the group. So pretty amazing stuff. I'm excited to see where your journey goes from here. And, uh, 
Yeah. Anything else? Any, any last, last things that you want to say? Any words of wisdom or motivation to somebody? Let's say they're just getting started. I mean, you, you, a month ago, two months ago, you were just getting going, you were ramping this thing up and now you've got four deals under, under a uh, contract. What, what do you think that person needs to hear right now? Um, get around the right people. I would say, um, I think even if you're not 100% confident in yourself, getting around the right people can, can help with that. And, and uh, I'm learning more and more about that. Even in recovery, you need mentors, right? You need, you need sponsors. I mean, that's what we call it in recovery. You need people who have been there and done what you're trying to do that can lead you and help you and guide you. Um, so I would, I would say that. And then anyone interested in not just to shamelessly plug their own way group and flip hacking live, I would say one of the things that you said from stage was that if you, if some of the things we're saying resonate with you and, um, you know, a lot of the people from stage, uh, what attracted me to this group and everyone in this group, um, whether they're faithful or whatever the, the case is, they're humble. Right. And, uh, they're big time business owners. There's millionaires in the group. Um, there's people that are doing huge things, but they're not in your face, flashy, egotistical people who I used to surround myself with. And I don't want to be a part of that. And I think maybe I could be wrong, but I feel like it's hard to find that sometimes. I feel like a lot of wealthy, successful people, it kind of goes to their head and inflates their ego a little bit. And for whatever reason, um, they don't stay humble. And that's what attracted me to this group is it's a bunch of really awesome, highly successful people who aren't full of themselves and they're willing to reach down and lift up somebody else and say, Hey, come with us, come play with us. Let me show you how we do this. That's a big deal. You don't, not a lot of places you can find that. So. Yeah, I really, I really love that for me. What I love about this group is it's a bunch of people that are trying to make an impact on the world and be more selfless, selfless, than selfish. And like you said, I feel like a lot of people really care a lot about kind of hoarding money about them. Uh, and, and I don't want to put a stigma on, on wealthy people. I've met a lot of really great wealthy people, but, um, you know, it's, it's really about the kind of impact and giving back, whether it's to charities, to the community, to each other. And that's, that's what I really love about attracting those people. So if you're one of those people, then we'd love to have you obviously and come to flip hacking live, check us out. And that's, that's a great place to get your first kind of introduction to who we are. And obviously you're listening to this podcast. This is a great place too. You get to hear some incredible people and some stories like Chad's. I mean, I'm just sitting here just, I, I didn't even want to jump in. It's, I, it's like a movie that I'm watching <laughs> unfold in front of me. It was really cool to, to listen to this. And, um, and I'm sorry you had to go through all of that to get to where you are right now. However, I don't think you would be the person that you are right now without that journey. I really feel like we're all going through this life on a journey and we're put into these positions for a reason. Um, whether it's like my, you know, my son's open heart surgeries and all the things that we go through with him that put me in a place of really becoming selfless because I was a very selfish person. And, um, it really got to the point where I feel like God was telling me I need to slow down. I need to focus on my family. I need to not be, getting deployed all the time and working as hard as I am. And I really need to be there for the, the medical uh, appointments and all the surgeries and everything and just unplug and be there. And I'm still working on that, but I really feel like it took me from like 10th gear all the way down to like second gear, which um, was what I needed. So everybody's, we're, we're on this journey for a reason, whether if you're struggling in real estate, it's probably there's some reason to it, but think about what you need to do. What's next? Who can you get around all the things that Chad talked about? And 
if you're in a bad place or having a tough time right now, just realize that there's a light out there at the end and there's bigger and better things. And you were put on this earth to do those things. So it's up to you to decide that you're ready to do that. And well, I think once you decide that you're ready, taking that next step is, uh, you know, it could be towards uh, what we're doing. It could be to something else. It could be to uh, your local church. It could be to uh, uh, a volunteer group. It could be to anything. So um, it, it's, you don't always have to be doing what you're doing. So, and whether it's a horrible job or all kinds of different things. So, um, man, this was an interesting uh, conversation. I, I wasn't necessarily expecting it to go the way that it went, but I absolutely love yeah. that it did because I think this is going to give people um, a lot of, uh, I think it's going to let them see a different side of different people that we bring on. Every, everybody doesn't have the uh, cut from the same cloth, if you will. Right. Amen. So. Yeah. All right, Chad. Well, cool. uh, I'm excited to see you soon and I'm excited to see your success and all of your posts inside the Facebook group are, uh, I love just going, yeah, I got another one. Got another one. This is really exciting. So <laughs> it um, is. Like always, uh, just stay active in there. And uh, sure. I, the accountability groups are, I'm really impressed with what's going on there. I mean, we have like 18 groups and they're all very active. It's really cool to see that that is taking off. And Becca is doing an absolutely incredible job managing all that. So for sure. Who's your group leader? Um, you put me on the spot. Uh, Montana. Montana. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, uh, Eric, uh, is it Eric? Yeah, Eric yeah. Van Dalen. Eric, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's an awesome guy. So he's another guy that is a, the hardest worker that I've ever met uh, is yeah. incredible what he's doing. So really well, cool. He's stuff. on the treadmill during our meeting. Yeah. So I believe you that he's a hard worker. He's got like this garage office and all this cool stuff. I, I'm going to yeah. have to have him on here too. So, yeah, he's all right. Cool. Yeah. It's, cool. He's, he's worked hard. I remember him coming to, to a first meeting here in Nashville and saying, I'm not sure if this is for me either. I'm not sure if I'm ready for this. I'm in a, a very remote area that doesn't have a lot of people. And mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's, he's hard at it. He's incredible. He so he it's cool stuff. So, okay. all right, Chad. Well, I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for spending the time with me and taking the time out of your day. You probably need to get back to text messaging right now. So you yeah. have money. And, yeah. um, and thanks for sharing your story and being all open and vulnerable. I think that's the difference that what we're seeing right now is people being vulnerable, being open, being authentic, and really telling their story and seeing that everything's not, you know, rainbows and butterflies all the time. So, um, cool. I appreciate right, it. Bill. Thanks hey, for spending time thanks, with man. me. See, See you. Chad. Bye. Thanks for listening to the seven figure flipping podcast with Bill Allen. If you want to grow and scale your house flipping or wholesaling business, check out more insider tips and strategies from the nation's most successful real estate investors at sevenfigureflipping.com.